Hi, this is Andre Rising, and you're listening to my friend, Jamie King, the Sports King on Sports 1061. Hi, I'm Tim Cosgrove, GM at CMA's Colonial Honda. It's no secret that we are in uncharted waters, but that doesn't mean we should be afraid because we are doing everything we can to keep our dealership clean and offering delivery services to minimize exposure. We've also opened a helpline for assistance of any kind, including grocery or medication pickup. Please call our CMA helpline at 434-220-8885. Visit cmascolonialhonda.com to learn more. CMA's Colonial Honda, moving lives forward. Coastal Carolina University offers you the academic experiences you need to succeed after college. From marine science to computer science, from theater to music technology, from hospitality management to health administration, there is a place for you at Coastal Carolina University. With inspired learning opportunities in the classroom, in the field, online, and around the world, Coastal Carolina offers the opportunities to support and empower your success. Visit coastal.edu to learn more. Hear ye, hear ye. It's time for the Sports King Show, live on Sports 1061. The show with scores, interviews, the hottest topics, and the biggest sports stories of the day. It's the show where you'll hear from the players that make the plays, as well as the key coaches and personnel who make it happen. All of this and live phone calls from you, the Sports King Nation. Now, direct from his castle, located in an undisclosed location in the capital city of Richmond, Virginia, let's welcome to the throne, His Highness, Jamie King, the Sports King, on Sports 106.1. And good morning, everyone. Thursday morning on the Sports King. Hello, Facebook Live. Hello, Everyone out there from coast to coast around the world listening in London, England, hello, Sacramento, California, New Orleans, hello, Tennessee, hello, North Carolina, hello, and throughout Virginia, hello and good morning and welcome to another edition as we start today's show. It was I who spoke of the Red Rifle and I said Andy Dalton would be the answer to the Washington Redskins problem. Andy Dalton I have gone on record saying I want him in the nation's capital. He is a bridge gapper, a guy that can help elevate what we have in the quarterback room right now, which is really a bunch of unevenness. Why would we bring the red rifle in here? We need a veteran. We need a veteran presence, a guy that knows how to win. Andy Dalton is a winner. Yes, he hasn't won a Super Bowl. We know that. But he knows how to move the chains. He knows how to pass the football. He knows how to lead. And I ask you, from a leadership standpoint, have you ever heard anyone say anything against the Red Rifle in the media? He's not a guy that creates problems, not a guy that creates controversy, not a guy that's an issue. He's a locker room leader. He is a leader, a guy that I have so much respect for. Now, am I saying do you sprinkle Andy Dalton into the nation's capital and automatically start printing playoff tickets? No. But do I say your chances go up exponentially? Yes. The Red Rifle, if you can put some pieces around him, Adrian Peterson, and maybe add another receiver or so, improve the offensive line, if we have the defense we're hoping for, we can get better and maybe be more competitive. So I wanted to start today's show off with all things Red Rifle. I believe in Andy Dalton. I'm hoping that Washington's on the phone with him today. I hope they make the deal. Not to diminish Dwayne Haskins Jr. or Kyle Allen, not saying they're not guys that can be the future. 
But I think by putting one of those guys in, you basically take a roll of the dice and throw it down and say, we hope it comes up the way we want it to because we're not sure. Andy Dalton, while not a sure thing, is a better bet, a better opportunity for success, a guy that knows how to win and a leader. And right now, we've got two guys in a quarterback room that you say, hmm, we're not so sure. And hope is not a strategy. I've gone on record saying that repeatedly. Hope is not a strategy. We need a detailed plan. Ron Rivera, please, I implore you to contact the Red Rifle today and get Andy Dalton into the nation's capital. He can bridge the gap. The young guys can learn from him and then slowly ease Dwayne Haskins Jr. in there if that's the plan for the future. But right now, if you do it the other way, I think um, it's not going to be what we want it to be. So that's that. Coming up on the show in just a minute, uh, the great Tom Lemming. Uh, Folks, let me put it this way. There is no better evaluator in high school football than Tom Lemming. The guy could do it at any level, uh, but he's legendary. He has traveled literally hundreds and hundreds and thousands of miles around the country. Uh, And you talk about a guy, I know he's going to have a book coming out about uh, one day about all the different diners he's been to in different locations, and he loves history and so forth. And it's just an amazing story of a guy that does things kind of the old school way. And now it's all computers and uh, FaceTimes and all that. But Tom Lemming does something very few ever in his profession have done. He goes individually into the schools and he looks at the player and talks to the player and evaluates the player, then watches film. He does it all. So from a standpoint of a guy that does it the old school way, and when he comes home and writes up a report uh, on these top players, he's seen them. He's been able to eyeball them and watch the film and do it the old-fashioned way, which is something that is just incredible. And we'll talk to Tom in just a minute. Hour two, we've got George Gregory from the Los Angeles Chargers, the chaplain for the Los Angeles Chargers, with some messages of hope and also talking about how the NFL is dealing with the current the coronavirus situation and much, much more. We've got some more stories coming up your way. But let's first turn our attention to the man. And by the way, Tom Lemming, who I say starred in The Blind Side. Many people feel his best work was on the cutting room floor. Tom does. And Tom's been in four movies, and we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, Tom Lemming joins us now. And Tom, how are you doing? How's the health? How is everybody in the family? Everybody's fine, doing great. Um, You know, my my last trip was mid-March. It was cut short because of the virus. I actually uh, had a big group gathered at UCLA on March 15th. And they all showed up, but it was like a ghost town. We read about, wrote about it here in Chicago Tribune about how I've never seen a campus like that. There were no security guards. There was no one around on a beautiful campus on a beautiful uh, day, except for the players and their parents. Usually there's people jogging or running around. So I decided to cut my last trip short and then just drove back home to Chicago from Los Angeles instead of heading up north towards Seattle and hitting, uh, finishing the rest of the country. But for the most part, I... I I already interviewed about 95% of the top 1,000 players uh, for the class of 2021. It's amazing what you do, and I've gone on record saying there's nobody like you. Uh, You're a throwback, but I love it because unlike some people that write about these three, four, five-star recruits, a lot of it's from hearsay or maybe a phone call and so forth. The fact that you've set the standard in terms of driving from city to city, uh, how do you do it, Tom, year after year, 
your fuel bills and your travel and your mileage and uh, I mean the miles you put on your vehicle and the things you've seen throughout your years. I, I think that'll be a book unto itself because of all the the diners and the historical places you stopped to and the things you've seen along the way. It's been an incredible journey for you on so many levels. And you look at the players you meet, that aspect of seeing them in person versus just uh, watching a, a clip here and there, that is a major differentiator for you. Talk about that and why that's so important to actually lay eyeballs and actually get the interview in person. Well, that's the way I was taught. That's the way the NFL does it, too. You don't see the NFL drafting players just because they talk to them on the phone or actually uh, might have watched them at a combine. Yeah, you really got to go meet the players, sit down, talk to them, see how important football is to them. Not just, uh, you know, you know, you can be a 6'5", 275-pound defensive end. You can run a 4'7". However, you got to find out when you sit down with the player if he is the size he says he is and also – how important football is to them. When you sit down and look them in the eye and see if football is the end, is the end all, or is it just a means to an end? And, you, you know, you get the idea. So you get the complete um, profile then. Uh, and you cannot get the complete profile unless you really meet them, I think. And so I've been doing that since the fall of 78 and hitting the top players. And in fact, I think I've driven back and forth to the moon three times now with all the miles I've put on for football over the past, 41 years so and i enjoy it it's not to me it's not a job it's uh it's an enjoyment to do this so i'm i've been very fortunate very lucky to have a, you tell our, a career where i could do this you know most guys would figure it's uh it would be a, a great hobby to have and stuff but i've been able to make a career out of it can you tell the listeners where to get your book because folks it's a bible on high school athletes in terms of uh football if you want to know the top players Look no further than Tom Lemming's book. Tom, can you tell us where they can get that? Yeah, they can just go to TomLemmingPrepFootball.com. Tom Lemming, it's P-R-E-P-Football.com. Uh, that way they could find it there. And then um, my Twitter, we always kind of advertise it to at, at Lemming Report. I was never technically savvy until the last few years. My producer on my TV show made me uh, – uh, start doing the Twitter. Now I'll do it when I'm driving. When I'm bored, I can kind of tweet things out, make sure there's no traffic around me. And a lot of times I, uh, I'm i on these lonely, desolate expressways. If you, drive, you ever drive from San Antonio to Phoenix, about 1,300 miles, you know what I mean. You rarely see yes. any other cars, even though it's an interstate. So right. and I did have a I had a book come out called Second Season uh, 13 years ago. And uh, there was a great uh, national TV guy, the guy who actually started Sports Talk, nationally named Chet Kopik. His first, the first national show on a daily basis was 1982, and it was called Kopik on Sports. He was in 400 affiliates. And uh, him and I were writing a book last April. We had eight chapters done, and then he died in a car crash down oh in uh, Savannah, Georgia. Uh, it's, it's a shame. He was uh, uh, one of the most popular sports figures in Illinois history. His, wow. His father's best friend was George Hallis, and his godfather was Chet Brickhouse, who was the big Chicago Cubs announcer. Yes. And so Chet started actually with um, roller derby when he was 20 broadcasting it. So he had a great career. He died, I think he was 71 when he died. So he had a 50-year career of uh, broadcasting any kind of sport he could think of. I remember my son, when he was six years old, wanted to watch wrestling, uh, WrestleMania. I took him to it in Indianapolis, and uh, Chet was the MC, And I remember him 
thing that stood out the most when he was in the ring, he was taller than Chet Cap, taller than Hulk Hogan. His Chet was wow. six foot seven, and then when wow. he stood out, there's taller than Hulk. So, uh, yeah, we did have a. Uh, we were having another book come out, and the, the uh, publishers want me to finish the book, which would be 22 more chapters, and find one guy each that would do the chapter with me, the way I was doing it with Chet. It was always me talking about my stories in different parts of the country, and then Chet would interject one of his stories. So maybe uh, if I ever have time, I could kind of finish that book also. Well, that's incredible and a uh, horrible loss there. We're so sorry for your loss uh, of Chet. And when you look at uh, your niche that you've created, many people were talking, hey, he's like the Mel Kuyper of high school football. I mean, you and Mel, Mel has the the uh, pro aspect, you have the – um, high school aspect. When you look at the niche you've created, it seems like you're very happy in your lane because uh, people recognize you, they know you, and it's something that uh, everybody kind of defers to you in terms of high school. Uh, you happy with your place in terms of what you've brought to um, high school football? Because I think it's an incredible niche you've created and carved out for yourself over so many years. Yeah, I'm, I've always been happy. I've never really complained. I, I think most of the other people in the business, they started years after I did. Usually I think most of them 20 to 30 years after I started. And they mainly do internet stuff where they'll call the player. And uh, most of them cover one team. I cover all 120 Division One teams. So um, if there's four or five schools mad at me, and there normally are during the year, um, I still have all the other schools to work with. So I can understand why internet people have to be very careful. You know, say if they only follow text if they only follow Penn State or Notre Dame or USC, they have to be very obliging to that school and very um, praise. The school has to be praiseworthy for them constantly. They cannot put out too much negative or they'll get fired. The school say, we're not talking to you anymore, and then they're out of business. They only cover one school, which is a problem, I think, uh, if you're only following one team. And that's why you see – and the fans don't mind, I don't think. I, but I notice with a lot of the fans, they um, they want to hear positive stuff. If you sign a kid that's only a one star, but you praise them, the fans like that. You know, thinking that maybe he's not a one star, maybe he's a three or four star. And that's all you get with the guys on the internet. They don't uh, put out anything negative, unless the coach is close to being fired. That's when you start seeing them turn on the coach. But for the most part, their job is to. Uh, you know, bring a ray of sunshine to the recruiting part of it. Mine is to be a little bit more uh, open about uh, the positives and the negatives of recruiting. And, you know, obviously I think it's great sport and it's, it's fantastic, but there's some negatives to it, normally with the cheating that goes on around the country. I'll tell you what, our special guest, Tom Lemming, nobody does it better than Tom. He travels the country every year and personally interviews hundreds of high school athletes in order to produce his prep football report, which is 360-page magazine. He's also, as he said, co-authored a book, works for uh, television, newspapers. He's done it all during his illustrious career. And uh, when you look at uh, your movie aspects, uh, of course, you're in The Blind Side. You were featured in Michael Lewis's critically acclaimed book, The Blind Side, and you played yourself in the movie. You've been in multiple movies. Talk about that. I mean, that aspect there, you know, Jim Caviezel, who's a friend of yours, who was in The Passion of the Christ. I mean, you've been able to meet some really uh, neat people along the way. That has had to be a, a great aspect and, and side part of what you've done through your journey as an analyst and a recruiting expert. Yeah, the other movies, uh, uh, The Hopeful, Drums of the Fall, they, were, they weren't they were as big as Blindset, obviously. And then, um, 
I was almost in when the game stands tall with Caviezel, but I couldn't get down to New Orleans to do any kind of a part there. Uh, I was filming my show in New York. And then um, there's always, if there's a sports movie, I'm being typecast as myself, so i got to be careful. <laughs> I do have a sad card <laughs> because I had a paid uh, in Atlanta to be, uh, if you have speaking lines in a movie, which I did, I actually had several more that were cut out. And we, the very first day of shooting, I, uh, it was a, for almost a, it was a four-and-a-half-minute scene. I had 28 more lines in it. it. took us 13 hours to film it. Then about two, uh, two weeks before the movie came out, John Lee Hancock, the director, called and said, I got good news and bad news. The good news, we're keeping your office scene in, and we're taking out Tim McGraw. And I go, that was my big scene. That took us 13 hours. I remember being a nervous wreck while I was filming. I'm, I was used to being on TV for the past 30 years, but never walking around and talking and doing what they do at a movie. And I enjoyed it immensely. I got to know Tim McGraw. who's was a great guy and a little bit of Sandra Bullock. I didn't have any scenes with her. Uh, or Kathy Bates, I, would, uh, I, I saw. It, most of my scenes were with Ray McKinnon, who played the coach, and Quentin, who played Michael Orr, and, uh, and Tim, who played um, uh, Tui, so, Sean Tui. So the, uh, but I really enjoyed it. We filmed everything in Atlanta, even though it was supposed to be Memphis. And, it, you know, just being on a movie lot, I had my own trailer and my own personal assistant. And... They just treat you like a king. It was great. And it was a great experience. Really loved that, uh, being part of a big-time movie. And I was so, going to say, the movie, the movie The Blind Side, uh, and everybody that's seen it just raised, of course, about the, the movie itself. When you look at the success of the movie, did you ever, when it was being made, did you think, of course, with the, with the crew and the cast and the things that went on, uh, did you feel it was going to be as successful? And, of course, at the end of the day, uh, $309 million it made at the box office and just an incredible movie itself. Why did it resonate so much in your opinion? You know, it's a true story. I think that had something to do with it. But I don't think anybody associated with the movie thought it was going to be that successful. I remember when we first got there, uh, I had heard the story that Julia Roberts had turned it down. MGM then sold it over to, uh, you know, Fred Smith's company, Fred, who owns FedEx's daughter, Molly was the executive producer. And, uh, uh, they were just hoping to get, you know, break even or do some money. As a matter of fact, I know I think Sanders made a lot of the money on the back end, uh, the percentage, because they don't think they could afford a whole lot, and they needed a big star like her to be in the movie. Uh, and then it just took off. I think it resonated with a lot of people that, here's a kid, uh, it's a true story about him living by himself in abandoned homes when he was like 10 years old with a couple of his siblings. And uh, To me, uh that story resonated with a lot of the people, particularly sports people that know about that. And since then, that was um, the book came out around 2007. But I do remember um, I, I've talked to several coaches now that say, hey, you think Michael Orr's story is bad? Listen, hey, let me tell you this story about my ball player. And I've heard that constantly. So it's sort of uh, a tragic that there's a lot of young kids that are living like that and you know don't really have parents or the parents are on drugs or I've just completely abandoned them. Uh, but Michael Orr, it wasn't, it's not unique, uh, which um, I found out a lot later to my chagrin that there's a, a lot of players and a lot of football players that live around the country. And you can understand why sometimes when you read about a player who took something from alumni or college coaches, you know, with, with the cheating that goes on in college football, I would never blame the kid most of the time. When they have nothing and all of a sudden they're given something, you blame the adult that's the one actually handing out the money and, and allowing this player to um, get himself in trouble. Uh, 
Uh, it's, a, it's a sad situation. There's a lot of people living like that. What is your take now, Tom, on the recent ruling? It looks like it's coming down about the NCAA actually going to allow players to make profits from their image or likeness and uh, social media things. Are you in favor of that? Yeah, I am, Jamie. And the, the problem is um, patrolling it uh, and, uh, and keeping, say, the player will make this or that. You know, it's only going to be the great players that are going to be getting advertisements the rest of the team. No one's going to want them to advertise. So when you got 85 players on a team and you got 10 of them, making a lot of money more than the other players. There's going to be a lot of jealousy and there's probably going to be a lot of underhanded stuff going on because that's part of the game. When you talk college football and underhanded uh, go hand in hand because, <laughs> uh, and it's been that way since the 1920s, maybe even before that. But I know since the 1920s where uh, college coaches are always looking for that advantage and uh, uh, you, you pay off, but you only pay off the super players. There's no need to pay off the other guys. So I think that's where the problem is going to fit in. And I would like to see maybe everybody get an equal pay, maybe all the money that you're going to pay. And uh, although, you know, no one's going to agree to it, maybe each kid gets uh, five or $10,000 instead right. of a hundred thousand going to a couple of superstars and the rest of them getting nothing. So it's going to be hard to uh, control, hard to regulate. And uh, I would imagine it's just going to open up another Pandora's box of trouble. Uh, and the NCAA's had an awful lot of it. Yeah, I agree a thousand percent because uh, you take the top end players, they're going to get theirs, and a lot of the sponsors and folks out there are going to want them to come to visit their dealerships and their businesses, but maybe the lesser-known guys won't. So uh, there has to be something where you have a little bit of a, a balancing act there to do that. Uh, they call him the mailman. That was one of the nicknames for Tom Lemming. He delivered information about the best recruits to hundreds of colleges and football fanatics. He continues his delivery by evaluating over 1,200 of the top football recruits every single year. Travel travels over 50,000 miles, folks. Think about that, 50,000 miles on the road from December through June with his tour, and he does the Tom Lemming Prep Football Report. By the way, if you want to take a look at that or purchase it, TomLemmingPrepFootball.com. If you're interested in the top high school players, folks, this is the Bible. It was called that by Gil Brandt, the NFL talent scout. He said the Lemming Report is the Bible of college football recruiting. So if you want to know where uh, your favorite high school player might go or where he should go, where he's ranked, Tom Lemming, uh, like I say, it's impossible to actually hit on every single kid, but nobody does better than Tom in terms of that because uh, he puts so much effort into it. And, Tom, how has it changed for you now with the coronavirus? How has it affected you? And it's affected everybody, but in terms of you right now, uh, what's your strategy in terms of doing your report and uh, handling things going forward? Believe it or not, Jamie, it's, it, this it's affected me because I've been stuck in my house and, the magazine only comes out the first week of August. Now it's going to come out the first week of July. I've, I've been writing it since I had almost all of it done already. It hasn't affected me at all when it comes to travel plans. I had just That was my last trip of the year anyway, and uh, it was just cut short. But the players in Oregon and Washington, the ones that I had missed, I hit most of the top 2021 players the year before. So I have their pictures, their info. All i got to do is just call them now to get their senior stats, I mean their junior stats, and then I'm all set. So... Um, I've got the magazine definitely a month in advance now to getting that out. And then the underclass magazine will be out August 1st instead of September 1st. So for me, it worked out good. It just forced me to stay home and start writing. Cause it usually takes me two months to write the magazine. It's that big. And, uh, 
and that evolved, you know, because I've got 1,500 players' profiles and pictures in the magazine, and uh, take and I write everything and take all the pictures, and I have a, a lady that sets up the graphics and everything. So we're way ahead of schedule on the uh, in the magazine. I'll tell you what, we're going to come back with Tom after this break, but if you want to see some outstanding pictures of Tom and his travels, of course, over 50,000 miles, go to TomLemmingPrepFootball.com. Pictures with actor Jim Caviezel, head coach Mel Tucker. He's on the CBS uh, desk there with uh, some of the great coaches in the country, and you'll see some of the pictures of him in his travels. Just amazing uh, pictures. I've looked at them this morning, and, boy, I tell you, you talk about a guy that has traveled the world looking for the best high school players. Nobody's done it like Tom Lemming. We're going to come back and spend some more time with Tom to find out what he's up to now and much, much more. You're listening to Sports King on Sports 106.1. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Andre Collins, former Washington Redskin and Super Bowl champ. You're listening to Jamie King on the Sports King Sports 106.1. Hi, sports fans. This is the Sports King for the Podiatry Center, a renowned foot doctor, Dr. Paul Ross. Dr. Ross is an expert who develops individual game plans for the sole purpose of getting his patients back to 100% as quickly as possible. In my case, I wore soft casts hard cast. I was in pain and I saw no relief. That is, until Dr. Ross came to the rescue. He restored my foot to the way it was originally and he gave me the quality of life I so desperately wanted to return to. He can do the same for you. He has state-of-the-art techniques and strategies to ensure your pain and issues become a thing of the past. If you've tried the rest, do yourself a favor and now try the best. Call today. Two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. Want to race the sports king? Call 804-327-0888. That's 804-327-0888. Learn it. Know it. Live it. Welcome back Thursday morning and breaking news. The Red Rifle is being released from Cincinnati. Would he come to Washington, D.C. to bridge the gap? We don't know. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Also, uh, rumblings out of New England. It might be a landing spot there for Bill Belichick, the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton. But our special guest, we rejoin the conversation with the man himself. Uh, Folks, when it comes to recruiting high school athletes there's nobody on the football side better than tom lemming he has done it for so many years and tom the thing about you that i admire the most is the passion you have for it uh we have a, a podiatrist who is uh, dr paul ross who's seen over one hundred eighty thousand uh, uh patients in his career and he has the excitement every day to go in there and he tells me his passion for that is unrivaled that's why he does what he does and the excitement he has with every patient. You're the same way with the athletes. How have you been able to maintain? First of all, you're physically fit. You tell you work out a lot, but how do you keep that passion? Because some people say, man, another high school, another trip, another student athlete, uh, does it get old? But for you, you go into every meeting like it's the first one. You know, in my book, I always have 25 pages of my travels. And not only do am I, you know, big into football baseball is my passion really i love the chicago cubs and i'll go to baseball games as i travel around the country but also i'm big into history and when you read the 25 pages every year a lot of it has pictures of civil war uh 
monuments or Revolutionary War monuments or any kind of history. I remember um, a couple years ago, spending the day doing the JFK tour where he was shot in Dallas and taking the tour, the bus, all the events, because I was nine years old when that happened, so I remember it. And uh, same thing, any kind of history I run into that this year, and when you head out west, there's a ton of history. I actually went to the Billy the Kid gravesite and the Billy the Kid Museum in Fort Sumner, New Mexico, about a month ago, just because I was bored driving a 1,000 miles that day, and I figured, why not stop for an hour, hour and a half, and uh, see something that might be interesting. It wasn't that interesting, but at least I stopped and saw it, because there isn't that much going for it and when you're in northern New Mexico driving towards L.A., but uh, I enjoy it. So 41 years and, and going, I'll probably die one day going off a cliff in Utah, and that'll be the last you hear of me, but... I'll die Come happy, on, so I enjoy, I enjoy the combination of football, history, and uh, travel. Don't do that now, Tom. Come on. <laughs> um, we <laughs> The other day we had the outstanding former defensive coordinator, Bud Foster, Virginia Tech Hokies, and Tom Woods from a uh, huge Cavalier fan uh, just uh, mentioned on Facebook Live. We're also on Facebook Live as well as Sports 1061 that it was Bud Foster that said the best prospect he ever saw at the high school level was Ronald Curry. You've mentioned Randy Moss. Could you give us maybe your top three to five? Give us your top five maybe that you've seen through your travels in terms of some of the great ones that have passed by that you, uh, looking back, say those were the top five guys that uh, I ever saw. It's tough to put them all into one big group. I've seen, I've seen everybody. Reggie White was a great athlete coming out of Howard High School in Chattanooga back in 1980. The big defensive lineman is in the Hall of Fame. I did see Ronald Curry. Matter of fact, I had Ronald Curry meet me with Michael Vick, or Coach Smith, who was a Hampton coach at the time for Curry. Uh, I remember having them both over. and um, A coach from Syracuse had recommended I see Michael Vick because Syracuse and Virginia Tech were the only schools recruiting him at the time. The whole nation was recruiting Ronald Curry, but since they lived so close together, I had them both meet over at Hampton High School. And I remember Coach Smith telling me that, uh, yeah, he's a good athlete, but he'll never be a quarterback. And that's about Michael Vick. <laughs> oh, really? And obviously, oh, really? it was vice versa. Curry was the great athlete also and wound up playing basketball and not really being the great football player we thought he'd be. So it just shows you that. Uh, and I always thought Curry was good. I, never, I would never put him in my top 25. Um, uh, and, I, and I respect Coach Foster. He did a great job. Frank Beamer was my co-host when he retired at Virginia Tech. We had him for six hours live on CBS. And I, I had been to his house for dinner a couple of times. Frank Beamer, one of the great coaches and one of the great people in college football, really enjoyed uh, knowing him. However, uh, I would say Randy Moss, the best quarterback I'd ever seen is really a guy named Jeff George coming out of Indianapolis, Warren Central, back in 1985. Jeff was 6'5". He had a great arm, as good an arm as Dan Marino. He did play like 15, 16 years in the NFL, but with several teams because he didn't have that mindset to be a team player. He was, uh, if you remember, he went to Purdue, had a great freshman year, but because they switched coaches, Fred Akers came in and he didn't get what he wanted. He switched to Illinois and Mike White. And that continued when he got to the NFL and switching from from team to team to team to team. Uh, but he was the best quarterback I'd ever seen, and I've seen them all, Peyton Manning, John Elway, Dan Marino, and uh, he was the best. And uh, running back-wise, I, I, I'd seen uh, my first year was Eric Dickerson. I went down to Sealy, Texas to see him. The next year was Herschel Walker. The next year after that was Bo Jackson. And the year after that was, um, what's his name, from Philadelphia, Mississippi, Marcus Dupree. They're all super big and fast. 
And then there was a 20-year gap where you didn't see anybody like those guys anymore. And then Adrian Peterson came along, and uh, I think Adrian might have been the best I've ever seen. He was super fast, big, just a great out of Palestine, Texas. And uh, I actually met him and did the interview in a Luby's with his uh, sponsor at the time. who was a trophy shop owner in Palestine who was trying to get him to Texas. We actually had him meet me in College Station across from the stadium there, Texas A&M. And they were, and, he, they were, and the, the sponsor refused to have him go there. They were having a junior day there and refused to have him go there. He just drove back to Palestine because uh, the sponsor did not want him looking at A&M, and eventually he wound up at Oklahoma anyway. So he was the wow. best. Uh, the best tight end was probably Tony Gonzalez. I watched Tony when I went to do the interview with him in Huntington Beach, California. He was playing basketball, just a pickup basketball game. So I, I said, no, keep going. I wanted to watch him and see his athletic ability. And then he came over, we did the interview, and we talked for a long time. And then uh, later that year, I flew him to Disney World for our show. I, in the 90s, I did a national TV show with Gene Deckerhoff and Mike Gottfried and Lee Carso and people like that. And I w- we would fly the top 25 players that I would select every year, and Reebok would sponsor it. No game. They would just do the show and go on the rides for a couple of days. It was always a lot of fun. And uh, Tony is probably the best tight end and the best offensive lineman. I know the greatest ever was Anthony Munoz, but he's the same age as I am just about. He came out before I did. So I would have to say maybe Orlando Pace, who I saw at Sandusky, Ohio, was the best I'd seen, uh, a terrific uh, offensive lineman. He, and actually, he was invited down to my Reebok show, and he didn't show up because he was afraid to fly at the time and asked if he could drive down. He said, by the time you get there, the show's over. So he couldn't do that, but he was uh, – well, him and – Ohio State's had some great ones. There was another one named Corey Stringer who died with the Vikings from uh, heat exhaustion, right. if you remember. Uh, Corey was one of the great offensive linemen, Tony Baselli out of Boulder. Tom, a lot of great Tom, players like that. How did you rate Jim Lachey, who I feel was one of the greats of all times at the NFL level? How did you rate him uh, coming he out was, of high school? He was at, you're right. He was actually my first or second year. He was one of my All-Americans, and he was a big-time ball player, Jim, too, and uh, from a small town. And uh, – I thought he was, you know, the best that year coming out. Uh, you know who else was a great one? Was Bill Fralick, who uh, passed away just a couple of years ago out of Pittsburgh, Penn Hills. That was my second year in 1980, and I saw him play. actually saw him in a game in Cincinnati against Jerry Faust and Moeller. Faust's last year at Moeller before he went to Notre Dame, and Fralick was a dominating left tackle and wound up being a two-time All-American at Pitt. So he was another one of the great ones uh, Deion Sanders I actually saw in high school as a quarterback down in North Fort Myers. He was a left-handed quarterback that, you know, didn't have much of an arm, but when you run a four-one-nine, it didn't really matter. <laughs> no one could touch yeah. him. So they wanted the yeah. ball in his hands on every play, and that's why they put him at quarterback. Everybody knew he was going to be a wide receiver or a corner when he got to college, but he was a, he was a lights-out type quarterback because he couldn't be touched. Deion Sanders is a quarterback. Wow. And if you hear these stories, it's almost like Tiger Woods recalling a shot, like when they'll say, hey, what did you hit on 17 at Sawgrass in 1994? And he can pull out and tell you exactly what he hit and how he hit it and all. You have that recollection. Like I met uh, so-and-so at a Dairy Queen in uh, Poughkeepsie or so-and-so, and it's so funny to hear these stories of the greatest players ever to advance to the NFL that you saw. Well, you want to know something? I did meet. I met uh, the late Aaron Hernandez at a Dairy Queen in, in uh, Bristol, Connecticut, because uh, he was supposed to be with my – I had the top 11 players in New England meeting over up by Boston College, and 
it's only an hour ride from him, said he was coming. He didn't show up, so I was mad. I called on the phone, and I think it was his brother, DJ, that answered. He said, Tom, any way we can make up? I said, well, I'm driving back to New York, so how about if I meet you? And we met at a Dairy Queen in Bristol, in Connecticut. Wow. Uh, and did the interview with the Dairy Queen. And Aaron at the time was a nice kid. I, I liked him a lot, and I uh, actually put him and Rob Gronkowski into the Army game that year as our two tight ends. And uh, uh, Aaron was always one of the more polite, nice kids. I don't know what happened to him. They say maybe CTE with a lot of hits to his head. They said his, yeah. he had the uh, Aaron... he had the brain damage of a, of a 75-year-old man, they said. So that could have been what it because before that, Aaron was not Aaron Hernandez that he turned out to be. But I met him there, and uh, I was talking with Ed McCaffrey, the former All-Pro with the Broncos, yep. whose yep. son, Christian. Yep. And um, yep. Ed was in my 83 magazine, and I, when I was talking to him about his um, – he was coaching the Valley Christian this past year in, in, up in the Denver area, and I said, hey, do you remember when uh, we did the interview? Your dad invited me. I went to his house for sandwiches and lunch, and uh, Ed didn't remember it. I did, and I remember his dad was being a nice guy, and – and so I, because uh, I've run into that a lot, because he's had three sons now that have been uh, put his first right. son in the Semper Fi game, and next one's for the army. His next two played uh, in the army game, and uh, it was great. Remember Tony Saragusa? Uh, I went yes. and visited him in New Jersey around '82, '83, and the thing that stood out with Tony, he was a lot skinnier back then. Wound up playing with my buddy, playing for my buddy Mike Godfrey, who was, later became one of my partners at ESPN and I'm still Mike lives in Mobile now but Tony dad invited me over to the house for dinner see I was in my early 20s and I think everybody felt sorry for me that you know <laughs> here I am bounced around the country and I saw a lot of people back then would invite me to dinner so I remember what I remember it was a spaghetti dinner it was a great dinner but I remember either his uncle or his grandfather sing an opera to me while I was eating it was kind of awkward <laughs> I wow. sit at the table all of them were sitting around and he stood up and started singing the whole time. It was a it was a strange experience, um, but I remember I ran into Tony at the uh, Newark Airport a couple years ago. When we were both filming out there, and I brought that up to him. And he just kind of laughed. I don't even know if he remembered it because, uh, but I remember that's a pretty vivid uh, remembering uh, someone singing to you while you're uh, eating spaghetti dinner. It's so funny you mentioned these stories. It takes me back. I remember working with Ed McCaffrey years ago at Football University, and uh, when his kids were running around the hotel, Christian and and his his other boys, and I'm running, seeing them running around, I'm like, wow, now you see him in the NFL, and you're like, unbelievable, the, the, the time that's passed and the guys that they excel and so forth, knowing Ed the way I did. He's just a great guy, as you well know. And then you look at Jeff George. It's funny that Tom Lemming says Jeff George is the greatest high school quarterback you ever saw. Uh, having spent time with Jeff and getting to know him, the one thing he told me, I really appreciate him telling me is I was with you. I thought one of the strongest arms I had ever seen ever uh, was Jeff George. And I'll put his arm up there strength wise with anybody, but he went on to tell me that he really regretted his actions and some of the things he did and said, and he really felt bad about that. And that, you know, the remorse years later, it was good to hear him say, at least, Hey, I know I didn't do things the right way and I should have been better. And uh, you know, a, a horse out of the barn, but at least he, he uh, mentioned that in our final uh, moments with uh, the legendary Tom Lemming, of course, uh, high school football expert. Um, 
what's next for you? What do you have, the book you have coming out? And will you consider writing a book about your travels? Because I think these stories, like uh, Sarah Goose's uh, grandfather singing uh, at the table, things like that, I mean, those stories behind the stories, I think, are so fascinating to hear in terms of uh, the aspects outside of just the recruiting aspect. What about the families? What about the things you remember most in your travels? That was going to be, Jamie, that was going to be the book um, that uh, Chet and I were writing. I, I don't, I, when I have time for it, I, I might do uh, maybe, because I can, you know, uh, Cory Booker, who ran for president, um, the senator from New Jersey, was one of my All-Americans. I put him on the USA Today team back in 86. And, um, you know, I got stories like that. The Rock was one of my all East members. I went and interviewed The Rock in Allentown, Pennsylvania, named Dwayne Johnson at the time as a high school ball player. And I just remember him being a little bit standoffish from the other players. And I don't know if that was um, cockiness or just maybe shyness at the time. I just, but I remember because the other players saying, hey, his father is a famous wrestler. And I'm, that's how I remember that. And I remember him kind of staying away from the rest of the kids. So you remember The Rock before. You remember interviewing The Rock when he was just Dwayne Johnson before he became The Rock. And, of course, uh, uh, I mean, just think of the historical aspects of the guys you've met uh, that were at one level and then they go on to Hall of Fame careers in many cases and the fact that you saw them before anybody else did. And you did it in an era when, you know, you had to go into small towns and maybe stop at that little store and find out where the person was, go over the railroad tracks, go in the back alley and find somebody in some apartment complex out of the, you know, you just really had to really do uh, detective work as well. So you had to really do a lot of searching for these gems. Back, you know, when, from when I my first trip was the fall of '78, and for the next 10, 20 years, um, I could only interview 200, 250 kids a year in person because uh, you know there was no internet. You couldn't get them together as groups. There was no cell phone, so it took. I would have to call all the kids from my house phone ahead of time. I call the coaches and say, "Okay, I'm going to be at Aberdeen Mississippi High School at 11 a.m." And then when I get to Aberdeen, I had to go to a payphone. People. Young kids nowadays don't know what pay phones are. What's that, Tom? What's a pay phone? I know. I I'd go in there and I'd call the school and the coach wouldn't answer. And I'd go, oh, no. And then I had to find, I I can't tell you how many times I got lost finding high schools around the country because you had to use my Rand McNally map. You couldn't use uh, uh, the phone like you do now. Now you never get lost. But back then, it it was different with the pay phones and, I had to bring a lot of quarters with me for the pay phones. I had a whole sack of quarters when I traveled because of that. Just to get a hold of the, uh, even with local calls when you get into the town, it adds up. So, but what I really enjoyed, you know, when I started, I was 22. I would sleep in my car every other day or sometimes two straight days. So I could, because uh, I, I couldn't afford hotels every day when I travel around the country. But, you know, when you're 22 years old, that's an adventure and something you always remember. And you can remember little stories about sleeping here, sleeping out by a Denny's parking lot, you know, and uh, stuff like that. Now when you're now when you're 65 years old, uh, you'd better not uh, do something like that. I, I, although I have slept in my car for three, four hours because I'll get someplace real early and then just wait in some town before I start out the day just uh, to avoid traffic. I did that this year when I wound up in the southern part of Ohio to see a linebacker who's already committed to Ohio State, and I left at 11 p.m. I got there three hours ahead of time, so I'm sleeping in the lot. And the reason I left, because it was a snowstorm expected around Lake Michigan, Lake Erie, before I headed south down through Ohio. And um, when I got and I it did snow, so I needed some of that time. But I got there real early, and 
I go, I went to sleep in my car, and I hear a knock on the window. It's the cops saying, what are you doing here in the parking lot? Let's go. Then I wait wow. for the coach to show up. And, uh, and then I told him I was looking, and the coach right away started talking to me. I mean, the police officer did about, oh, he's a great linebacker. He's, he's going to be great. His, his name's Reed Carrico, and uh, he's going to be great at Ohio State. So when you're in these little towns, everyone, know who's, everyone knows who's the high school star. Folks, uh, he is the absolute best. If you want to learn more, please go to TomLemmingPrepFootball.com. And, Tom, one more time, where can they get your book? Yeah, just go to TomLemmingPrepFootball.com uh, or to um, on Twitter at Lemming Report. That's the name of my TV show on CBS also, but it's also the name of the Twitter, so, so I don't forget things. At Lemming Report, CBS. He does TV, radio, and folks, he starred in the movie The Blind Side. I say he starred. I, I, I thought he did an yeah. incredible job. If Forget you're home in and Sandra Bullock and Tim McGraw, they were in there too. But if you're yeah. at home and you haven't seen The Blind Side, pull it up. Watch Tom Lemming. You'll love the story. Of course, great movie. It went on to great success. Tom, always great speaking with you. I love it. And I tell you what, I could listen to these stories days on end, and you have them. And I hope that book comes out soon because uh, you're a national treasure in terms of what you do for high school athletes everywhere. We can't thank you enough. Uh, continued health to you and your family, and we wish uh, you the very best. Hope you'll come back soon. No, thanks for the kind words, Jamie. Anytime you need me on the show, just uh, give me a holler. You take care. Have a good day. You got it. Tom Lemming. Nobody does it better than Tom Lemming. And we thank him for joining us on the Sports King on this Thursday. Going to take a time out. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey, guys, this is Tress Wave, for the Redskins, and you're listening to the Sports King on Sports 106.1. Looking for a top-tier university that is affordable? Coastal Carolina University offers more than 100 undergraduate and graduate programs designed to help you earn your degree. Visit coastal.edu and learn more about the coastal commitment to student learning and student-led research. Coastal Carolina University is consistently ranked as a top best value university in the South. Visit coastal.edu to learn more and schedule your campus tour. You're listening to a man whose yoga instructor asked him how flexible he was, and he replied that he couldn't do Tuesdays. It's the Sports King on Sports 106.1. And good morning. Just a few minutes left before we go to the 11 o'clock hour. Happy birthday, Denise King. 29 today. At least that's what she tells me. This is Sports King. Keeps me on my toes. As one of my commercials say, I'm the king of every castle except my own. Anyway, enough about that. Want to let you know that after uh, nine years, Andy Dalton is no longer in Cincinnati. Could he be coming to Washington? That's my hope. Don't know if it's going to happen. Just my hope. I think he is a bridge gap guy. He could help us uh, win some ball games and mentor two guys that need mentoring in Dwayne Haskins Jr. and uh, Kyle Allen. So the Red Rifle, will he come to D.C.? Many people think it might be New England, the Patriots. And boy, that would be a um, – he's not Tom Brady, but boy, he could hold the fort down in the interim until they find the guy that is the next Tom Brady in New England. want to mention, speaking of New England, boy, this is something interesting. Rob Gronkowski, and some people uh, text me and say, hey, the guy doesn't think right. He doesn't uh, do the right things. He's a great player. We all know that. But he was joking around. He mentioned that he had his Tampa Bay playbook weeks and weeks ago. And then when uh, he got caught up in that, he said, basically, this is seriously a story? 
On Saturday night, uh, Gronkowski was part of Bud Light-sponsored draft after party, during which one of the guests, ESPN Sage Steele, spoke about how Joe Burrow, the number one overall selection by the Bengals, had been working with Cincinnati's playbook weeks before the team officially made him a selection. Gronkowski then jumped in as uh, with a bright comment, well, I was in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playbook four weeks ago, and I wasn't even on the team. Gronk, that's called tampering. Can't get in there. Can't do that. But on Wednesday, Gronkowski said he received his team-issued Microsoft Surface, uh, Surface tablet earlier in the day, and he posted a picture of himself holding it. Never one to stay serious for too long. Gronkowski then followed with a joke. He said it's still in the package, and I'm hoping all of his pictures and drawings are there. I'll, I'll be pumped up when I open it one day, hopefully soon, and then learn more about it. So, unbelievable. Gronkowski saying that he was joking when he said he had the playbook four weeks ago. What do you believe? Give us a call, 804-327-0888. Do you believe Ron Gronkowski had it? Do you believe he didn't have it? Uh, I tend to believe he had it, and he's trying to cover his tracks. Uh, not that anybody from New England would do anything on tawdry. Uh, yuck, yuck. Anyway, uh, so the situation there is uh, Gronkowski saying that he did have the playbook for the Buccaneers, and things are looking up in Tampa. Folks are adding some key pieces down there, and it looks like Gronkowski is ready and healthy to come back and uh, help lead the Buccaneers somewhere special this year. Many people think it might be a playoff run. Many people wonder, though, will we be playing football? We hope we are. And, uh, of course, the college side, the pro side, there is some rumblings. Of course, Ben Maitland broke the story yesterday that NASCAR coming back on May 17th. So that's something in a few weeks to look forward to. Of course, uh, besides that, Major League Baseball talking about three separate divisions of uh, 10 teams each. Is that a possibility? So we hope. We hope it is. And in our final few seconds, uh, we want to let you know that uh, coming up, George Gregory is going to talk to us about the Los Angeles Chargers uh, inside there and what he's been doing to help them uh, stay positive during the coronavirus. So don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Sports King on Sports 106.1. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. This is Trent Murphy, number 93 from the Buffalo Bills. You're listening to Jamie King and Sports King on Sports 1061. Hi, it's the Sports King, Jamie King, and I'm here to offer you truly life-changing advice. If you or someone you know suffers from foot pain, don't delay. Take immediate action and visit the podiatry centers of Dr. Paul Ross with two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. I know firsthand he changed my life and totally restored my foot. He will do the same for you. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. You're listening to the man who thinks that Velcro is nothing more than a ripoff. The Sports King on Sports 106.1. And welcome back, everyone, around the world. Sports King Nation, we salute you. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello, London, England. How are you? Gail, Ralph, and all you Londoners out there tuning in, thank you so much. Sacramento, California, hello. 
As I'm reading some of the names here, Tennessee of Nashville, hello. Charlotte, North Carolina, hello. Conway, South Carolina, hello. Virginia, hello. Florida, hello. We love you all. Thank you so much. And we hope you enjoyed Tom Lemming in hour one. Coming up momentarily, George Gregory, who is the chaplain for the Los Angeles Chargers. And he does a lot of things. We're going to have him on momentarily. Uh, We want to thank everybody for tuning in on Facebook Live as well as Sports 106.1. Don't forget, every morning it all starts here with Big Al Sports Phone alongside Ben Maitland, uh, producer who does double duty. Uh, As soon as the Sports Phone show is over, he switches over to the Sports King, and uh, we're on from 10 to 12 every day. Immediately following us, it's the legendary Jim Rome from Los Angeles. Don't want to miss Jim Rome in the jungle in Los Angeles. So, Folks, here we go. We're one day closer and one day further in this journey trying to get through this. And, of course, our thoughts and prayers as we understand the uh, passing of 61,000 fellow Americans. And uh, we just are devastated um, as people at the top have talked about uh, one person passing is one too many. And you almost get immune to the numbers when you look at them and you say to yourself, You've got to be kidding me. I mean, because the tragedies, the brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, fathers, grandfathers, mothers, brothers, sisters. I mean, just uh, the toll this has taken and it's just amazing in terms of the loss out there. And uh, we hope and pray that everyone uh, out there is uh, safe and sound. And we turn our attention now to the Los Angeles area. Our special guest joining us this hour George Gregory, and George is the chaplain for the Los Angeles Chargers, so make sure we get that right. Of course, he does a great job for them, and uh, he joins us in a time we need some hope and some positivity and some words of encouragement, and I know, George, that's what you do. We welcome you making your first ever appearance on the Sports King Show. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Doing really well, doing really well. Now, I guess my first question for you now in a time of a coronavirus that nobody saw coming, uh, you're in charge of dealing with NFL athletes and NFL teams, and you're out there spreading messages of hope and positivity. Uh, Talk about uh, what your strategy is currently in terms of helping others uh, in the NFL and throughout uh, all the work you do as far as helping them get through this tough time. Yeah, well, uh, tough times only reveal sort of our foundation. And although we all would like to think that we have it all together, sometimes when our foundation is shaken, we realize that we need others. And so a chaplain's role is to come alongside of players, their their spouses and their families, uh, to just be a mentor or to be um, a, a light or voice to say, hey, you're going to be okay. And so we've, we've – um, Here's what I realize, uh, Jim, is that we uh, uh, humans are resilient. We can bounce back from anything. Um, when uh, 9-11 happened, I used to live in New York City. When 9-11 happened, New Yorkers, they bounced back. And so America uh, and the world, we're going to bounce back. There's resiliency. And we've got to learn to live in a new normal. And for us, although we can't be together, although I can't sit with couples, I can't be with players face-to-face now, I've, I've learned to embrace technology. Uh, so I do a significant amount of calls uh, via my mobile, but also uh, Zoom calls to get uh, people on a call where I can see them in squares on my computer. 
Uh, and although we can't be together, uh, I can encourage them just the same by seeing their faces, hearing their voices. And so uh, I've learned to embrace technology in a new way. And so I think coming out of this, uh, one of the new norms is we're going to all be able to speak to who we want to at any moment that we that we can without time and distance separating us. Our special guest, George Gregory, the chaplain for the Los Angeles Chargers. And let me ask you this. I know you're a sports fan. You have to be among NFL players uh, dealing with the players. Let's just take that uh, equation for right now. When you look at the players on the team and the fact that uh, you're a sports fan and you get to work with them, how are you dealing with those guys right now? Because there are many people think, hey, athletes are different make more money, but you have to remember they put their pants on like we do. How do you deal with the athletes right now with the Chargers and the organization as far as being positive for them because they have the same fears the rest of us do? Sure, that's that's a great question. You know, I'm the team chaplain. I don't speak on behalf of the Chargers, but I'll just tell you in general what we do for pro athletes in the, in the area of sports entertainment. Um, it, you know, you're right. Uh, COVID-19 is not prejudice. It, it affects us all, and so we're all dealing with it. I just tell the guys uh, and their families, you know, just to – just to be hopeful, right? Sometimes we can see the glass half empty or we can see the glass half full. During this time, we will never, ever get this time back. So enjoy time home with your family. I know our guys, they're ready to come back. They're ready to put the work in. But they also realize that that during OTAs, generally, they would not be home or they would be traveling or they'd be, they would be training. And so we've got to learn to embrace our now. Most of the time, as humans, we're ready to get to the next thing. But this virus has made us stop. It's made us be aware of things that we're not in control of. So when we can't be in control of our regular, we've got to embrace our new normal. So being able to spend time at home, that's a good thing. Being able to learn different uh, things, um, um, some some guys are reading books, <laughs> you know. They're they're embracing technology. They're learning new techniques. They might be doing cooking classes online. So for me, this is a great moment to learn new things and not just sit about uh, sit around and saying what you can't do. I know a few of our guys they're uh, they're itching to get back, and yet um, in, in our in the league, uh, these coaches aren't saying you have time off and it's okay. They're saying no, you got to come back in top quality shape because they are the elite of the elite. When you get to this. Level, COVID nineteen cannot stop you. So you got to be focused. You got to remain focused. That's one of the things as a character coach that I teach. It doesn't matter what comes at you, whether it's on the other side of the tunnel when we run out, or whether it's on that line up, uh, as the opposite team. Whatever is opposing you, you got to keep focused so you can win at the end of the day. You can follow George Gregory at George Gregory. His Twitter handle. When you look at uh, George, uh, the stars on that team uh, now departed uh, Philip Rivers, Melvin Gordon, some of the great athletes uh, in the world today. What would you say in terms of superstars and guys you've worked with? What makes them different? And, and when you look at their spiritual side, many people think about all the great things they do on the field. But what have you come to know through some of the top athletes you've worked with on the spiritual side and how that carries them through their daily lives? Yeah, you know, uh, again, uh, Jim, I. Our guys that, that I personally help to coach spiritually or, or through character, uh, they're, they're down to earth. Uh, so they're not, they don't think they're superstars whatsoever. They're just husbands, fathers, or sons. And so I, I see these guys as, as normal people. They see themselves as normal people and, and they're just good people. I think, uh, um, 
in general, our guys are compassionate. They are about family. They're about causes. Uh, they don't just hoard their resources. They're very generous with, with their time, their talents, and their treasure. Uh, and that's what type of guys or people that we need in the world, guys who are not about themselves, uh, but guys who are very giving. I, I tell guys all the time, uh, don't be selfish, but be selfless. Um, and when you get to that elite of the elite level like they are, they're blessed beyond measure. Um, and yet, you know, these guys only have a uh, 2.5 years. So so two and a half years, I'll say that two and a half years is the average of an NFL athlete. So they only have enough time to make an impact. And then they have the rest of their life to do kind of their passion. So we teach that on this journey your calling is not football. It's just a stop on your journey. There's a, there's a purpose. There's a plan that God has you here for this reason. And football is a part of that. It can fund your passion. It can help you uh, realize your passion, but it's just a stop on the journey. Our special guest is George Gregory, the chaplain for the Los Angeles Chargers, joining us very early out there. So we thank you for joining us. Of course, he works uh, with things such as the National uh, Minister to Couples. He does that, the Journey for Life. You can follow him at journeyforlifenow.org. That's journeyforlifenow.org. And I had a question about relationships and couples and so forth. Right now, I'm seeing a lot of horrible trends on the news about the breakup of families now, that some families that have been quarantined, the couples are breaking up in sometimes record numbers, sadly. And that's something you really specialize. What would you uh, advice-wise, give to couples now that may be going through some tough times financially, uh, health-wise, the fact that everybody's kind of bottled in at home, and as you just said earlier, to be kind of bring people together, but the people that are really struggling from a relationship standpoint, how would you help them? Yeah, listen, my wife and I, when we do our ministry through Journey for Life, um, we, we constantly travel around the country and also speak to our players about one, one of our principles is we say, don't die in a sea of lifeguards. Don't die in a sea of lifeguards. There's so much help out here, but most people drown in the pool or in the ocean because they, they, they fail to raise their hand or call out. And so we, we just tell our players or the people that we minister to, to always be, don't be afraid uh, to raise your hand. We call when people raise their hand, everyone needs a coach. So like our players, they have O-line coach and defensive line coach. I'm kind of what I call myself as a marriage coach. And so on our website, if you go to journeyforlifenow.org, we've got a relationship coaching program. If you need help of any kind, you can reach out to us and we can put you in contact with someone who can just be a coach or a mentor to you. We all need someone to get us through dark days. If you look at what these guys go through with the NFL, they couldn't be at the elite of the elite without the coach. Talent is good. Um, raw ability is good, but but they all need a coach to help them out, especially when you feel stuck or you have a bad day. You need someone in your ear telling you it's okay to have an argument, but learn from that argument, rebound from that argument. People are. They're in close quarters. They're in close contact. We, we have to learn a new norm, but instead of letting it push us away, we've got to find ways to endear to each other. So one of the techniques that we give couples, um, uh, in this in this close proximity that we're now living in, 
we all are experts at criticizing or pointing out what our spouse might do wrong. But instead of that, we, we need to do a better job at now affirming them or acknowledging them or, and saying, hey, I know you typically don't do that, but thank you for cleaning this part of the house or thank you for being patient with me when I was on a call or, wow, I didn't know I was going to have so many Zoom meetings. You've been there for me to, to hold, hold me or to, to hold me accountable or to encourage me. We all need an encourager. In fact, Dean Smith, uh, t- taught the world uh, through through his pointing. He he said, when you go down and you make a slam dunk, you got to point to the person who gave you the assist that threw you the ball. And in and in marriage, we've got to be willing to point at our spouse and say, thank you for that assist. Thank you for helping me. I couldn't be as great without my spouse. And we just need to be more affirming and more celebrating of, of one another through these tough times. Uh, great advice, and our special guest, George Gregory, the chaplain for the Los Angeles Chargers. And I wanted to ask you right now, my show, the Sports King Show, we really want to be socially aware and help folks uh, in the worst of times. It's great to be there in the best of times, and everybody loves a front runner. but you find out about character of people uh, in the worst times. And, of course, you have great character, a man of great faith. Uh, there are people out there hurting now veterans and the suicide rates have really escalated. And that just tears in my soul because I worry about people now that are by themselves. For those folks out there that may be alone through these times or may be struggling with uh, some depressionary thoughts and aspects to their life, what could you give them to hang on to in terms of the fact that uh, we'll get through this? And the uh, folks out there that have uh, been on the uh really dark side and, and going through dark times, what would you give them in terms of advice? Yeah, that's a great question. That's uh, most of the time. That's where we have to start is that voice in your head uh, that says you're alone. You've got to silence that voice because you're not alone. You know, there's, there's this saying that we're better together. Um, and wherever you are, wherever you're listening from right now, you got to know that you are, are not alone. Uh, Gladiator, <laughs> I love that movie. Uh, right when they were in the arena, uh, the Gladiator gathered the other Gladiators together, and he says, whatever comes out of those gates, we can survive if we stay together. Then he, then he asked, he, Jimmy says this, he says, do you hear me? We've got to stay together. And so I want to just encourage your listeners is that, Whoever you have that you can call or whoever you can get on technology with, just let them know your story. Uh, the, the best thing that we can do now is not live in our heads, but we've got to learn that we can either help people right during this, during this season. Even though we're hurting, we can help them or we can reach out for those resources. There's moments that we all feel like we're alone. You're not alone. There's pastors. There's uh, there's people on technology. You can get online and Google uh, help during this time. There's suicide prevention if you feel like you want to hurt yourself. There's enough resources out there that we know that if we pull together during this time, it's going to be better for us. And so that's one encouragement that I give people. I've done motivational speaking in your a uh, guy that has just lifted so many people up. And, and some people say to me, they'll say, hey, how do you say it's so positive? And I just have always looked at things like, hey, we're, we're going to get through it, as you said. It's going to be a brighter day ahead. And it's something we've never f- we're going to get through it together, as you mentioned earlier. And people may ask, and they've asked me, how do you stay positive? I'm going to turn the page to you. And how do you stay positive despite uh, all that's going on around us now, all the news? If you turn on any channel, sometimes you'll see and hear some of the worst stories and see the worst of America and the worst of the world. Despite all that's going on around you right now and the sea of negativity in many ways, how do you personally stay positive uh, throughout all of this? 
Yeah, well, I don't wake up every day uh, uh, sounding like this. There's some days that I wake up and I also have to silence that voice in my head. And so, so here's what I have to do on a daily basis. I've got to, I've got to starve my doubts and I have to feed my faith. Starve my doubts and feed my faith. I've got to. It's like a computer, junk in, junk out. I've got to put the good stuff in in order to get the good stuff out. So for me, I'm a man of faith. Uh, I read my Bible. I read inspirational books. I love biographies. Uh, I I just feed my faith. I realize that because we're resilient people, it's not about if I will survive. It's when I survive, what will I do to help others? And that's what what we do as far as our marriage ministry to to, um, athletes and entertainers is we're not about hunkering and, and, and just going in our caves. Our marriage that we have um, is about helping others. And so faith is a very important step for me to feed my faith and starve my doubts. My, my father battled ALS for six years. Um, and every day when I would talk to him, I, there, were, there were moments that I was bothered by, man, you have this disease. How could God put this on you? But my daddy would say these simple, this simple phrase. He would say, son, God's got this. God's got this. And I looked at him and I was thinking, man, I don't know if I would have that faith if I had a terminal disease. But my dad taught me that through his faith, through a very optimistic outlook, he didn't look at what he couldn't do. He looked at what he could do. He told me, he says, son, I'm going to be the best witness for Jesus with ALS that this world has ever seen. Picture that. Wow. A terminal wow. disease patient says, I'm going to be the best witness for Jesus. He didn't hunker down in his mediocrity. He said, I am going to look outward. And that's what we have to do in this season. It's not just about us. It's about who we're going to impact. Even if we have COVID-19, even if we contracted the virus, if if we lost our job, if we lost our family, there's still a way that the hope within us can come out of us. And that's the positive message is that it's not about me. It's about the hope and the light that I could bring to others. Well, that what a great story about your father. Of course, uh, when you face a disease like that, to be so positive, sounds like you drew more from him, of course, through uh, a very tough time. Just an amazing story there. And in our final moments with George Gregory, of course, from the Los Angeles Chargers, he's done a great job there and uh, continues to do so. Uh, you and your wife, of course, have the journeyforlifenow.org. That's your website. Uh, what would you say, uh, chaplains, a part of what you do, of course, you and your wife tour the country and you give speeches and so forth. What of all those things do you enjoy the most? What is your passion in terms of, I know helping people is the forefront of what you do, but which aspect of it do you enjoy the most? Yeah, man, there's, there's so many things I enjoy about my job, but the the, the one thing that I, that I like the most is when I can see the lights in a couple's minds when it goes on. If they're going through a dark period, they think, man, there's no help. I'm probably going to go down this road of divorce. But if we can give them a tool or we can give them a technique to try and they realize, wow, this isn't as bad as what we thought. Um, It's really to give them a better perspective. If I had a quarter and I put it up to my eye, very close to my eye, I couldn't see anything else because that's our perspective when we are close to a situation. But we help to take that quarter at arm length away to say, wow, what do you see now? Then they can see what's on the periphery. If we can give couples a different perspective and a light comes on, that's the best part of my job. When I can see a husband go from hopelessness 
to having hope. When I can see a wife to say, you know what, I had given up before this, um, this, this workshop or before this marriage retreat or before this call, this relationship coaching call with Journey for Life. That's what I love is giving people hope, seeing the lights come on. George, our final moments, uh, can you give the listeners uh, the places where they can uh, find out more about you and what you're doing daily? Sure. Um, our website is journeyforlifenow.org. Uh, our IG is at Journey for Life Now, and our Twitter is also at Journey for Life Now. We, we have a Facebook group. You can go and uh, Google Journey for Life. Um, any one of those means that you can, you can reach us, but the best pro- the best way is probably journeyforlifenow.org on our website. It has all of our social media there. Great messages. And uh, one of the big ones he said was don't be selfish, be selfless. Before I let you go, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, could you please offer a message of hope for our listeners out there and uh, for the folks uh, in need of uh, an uplifting message? Sure. I'd love to say to your listeners, um, thank you for tuning in today. Uh, Also, I'd love to say that you're not alone. And um, because you're not alone, you you live today, not just to exist, but you live today to make an impact in others' lives. So find someone today and, and make a call. You know, we can become the solution that we need to someone else's life. There's someone who needs love. There's someone who needs a hug. There's someone who needs a high five. And we can do all that digitally. So, so I want to just tell you, you're not alone, and you can make an impact in someone else's life. Um, if you're a spiritual person, go deeper. Go deeper. If you don't have something, a, a reason for purpose today, find out your purpose. But you are not here just to suck air. You are here to make impact. And when you die, I want you to die with I want you to die with your tank empty, not half full or full. Die empty. Give it all out. Great advice, and we thank you so much from uh, Los Angeles. Uh, of course, wish you the best with the Chargers when things resume. Wish you and your wife your very best going forward. Of course, joiningforlifenow.org, and uh, great advice. And thank you for joining us on the show. And really like to uh, hear from you in terms of the uplifting messages. And wish you and your family the very best. Stay safe, and thank you for joining us today on the show. Hey, thank you for having me. If you want me back, let me know. You got it, George Gregory. The chaplain for the Los Angeles Chargers, a guy that is really doing his best to try to help lift people up in these uncertain times. And we really thank you for being a part of the show this morning. And once again, of course, journeyforlifenow.org, if you can learn more about George and his mission. And, uh, man, some great advice there. We definitely need to hear that. We're going to take a time out. You're listening to Sports King on Sports 1061. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Mike Singletary, former Chicago Bear. Hall of Famer, you listen to my friend Jamie King, the Sports King on Sports 1061. Hi, I'm Tim Cosgrove, General Manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. It's no secret that we're in uncharted waters, but that doesn't mean we should be afraid. Because now is an opportunity to do something heroic. We realize that this is the time to organize a blood drive, help our elderly neighbors with groceries, and assist local nonprofits. And that's exactly what CMA's Colonial Honda is doing. In fact, we set up a helpline to assist people in our community in any way that we can. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance, you can reach our CMA helpline at 434-220-8885. Again, our CMA helpline is 434-220-8885. And of course, if you're in need of any automotive help, we are taking extra precautions to keep our dealership clean. 
To learn more, visit cmascolonialhonda.com. We applaud you for helping one another during this time. You have inspired us to do the same. CMA's Colonial Honda, moving lives forward. The Sports King Studio line is now open. If you got a sports question, thoughts on your mind about your favorite team, we'd love to hear from you at 804-327-0888. That's 804-327-0888. We're on a mission from God. On a mission from God. Thank you, Ben Maitland. Behind the glass in Richmond, Virginia, the capital of the great state of the Commonwealth of Virginia, Sports King on a Thursday morning, about a half hour left in the show. We've got a lot of headlines to get to, but we want to thank our guests in hour number one, Tom Lemming, national football expert who appeared in the movie The Blind Side with Sandra Bullock and Tim McGraw. Tom thinks he was a star in that film, and I do too. He did a great job. If you're not able to uh, have seen the movie in the past, if you haven't seen it, so many people have, The Blind Side, while you're home, go ahead and order it and see it and you'll love it. And you'll see Tom Lemming. And uh, he had a great time making that movie and uh, made some great friends there. Of course, among them, uh, Tim McGraw, Sandra Bullock. And uh, he also worked with Jim Caviezel, who was uh, in that show point of interest and passion of the Christ. He's a great friend there. And uh, he knows pretty much everybody in the industry in terms of uh, all the top college and high school coaches everywhere. That's Tom Lemming, our special guest in hour one. We really enjoyed hearing some of those stories about the athletes who were discovered by Tom in a lot of ways and basically went on a great Hall of Fame careers um, from Reggie White to Dan Marino and everybody in between. Just an amazing guy with a ton of stories. Travels 50,000 miles a year uh, by car. And it's been a labor of love for him and great catching up with Tom. And we just got off the phone with George Gregory from Los Angeles, California, the Los Angeles uh, Chargers. We've got to make sure we get that right. The Los Angeles Chargers chaplain with messages of hope. Uh, he told us what he does with the NFL players currently, and he also offered some messages of hope. Among them, don't be selfish, be selfless. So some great advice from George Gregory. We appreciate him joining us in hour two. Headlines we want to get to here on the Sports King. Of course, Ben Madeline broke the news uh, yesterday, of course, about the NASCAR events returning on May 17th. I know he's excited about that. And uh, NASCAR is really looking to rev their engines and get back going here very quickly. But the top story today on this Thursday, Andy Dalton, the Red Rifle, his run with the Bengals is over. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter, Dalton has been the Bengals' primary starter since they selected him in the second round of the 2011 NFL Draft. Dalton's 32 years of age. Uh, he led the Cincinnati Bengals to the playoffs five times, though the Bengals lost each time. Uh, he is the career leader in passes and touchdown passes, uh, passing yardage as well. Uh, Dalton is a guy that has set the mark in Cincinnati, but with uh, the picking of uh, top pick, LSU quarterback Joe Burrow, uh, Burrow threw 60 touchdowns in 2019. They feel they can part with Andy Dalton, which is really why I call them the Bungles and not the Bengals. Uh, you got a situation here where you can have Andy Dalton kind of get the young man indoctrinated to the NFL, teach him the ways of the NFL, and get him to slowly enter games versus just throwing him out there and hoping for the best. Uh, as we said on the show many times, hope is not a strategy, and I don't like the fact that they're going to throw Joe Burrow to the Wolves right away without allowing him to learn 
Uh, Mark Rippon, uh, of course, Super Bowl MVP with the Redskins, told me many times he had to learn those two years behind Jay Schrader and Doug Williams, and it only was that that helped him become the great player that he became, leading us to a Super Bowl title in 91 because of the learning curve that is at the NFL level. I'm not saying Joe Burrow can't learn it. I'm just saying it's going to be an easier transition when you have a guy teaching you and no better, better to learn from than the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton. Dalton was set to earn $17.7 million in the final season of his six-year contract, worth $96 million total. But the Bengals went on a spending spree this summer. Cincinnati did not have the salary cap space to keep Andy Dalton and sign the rookie class that's coming in. So you're looking at this situation, and Andy Dalton went on to say today that, quote, this city has been our home since I got drafted here, and this city's meant a lot, end quote. He went on to say he was thankful to all the people that we've met. There's been a lot of good people in Cincinnati who have pushed me, my wife, and my family to be better people. We're grateful for that. Uh, the news on Thursday signaled the latest uh, in overall cuts for the Bengals. Uh, basically, the Bengals will clear $41.6 million towards its 2020 cap allotment. During free agency, the Bengals spent more than $145 million to improve a franchise that finished with the league's worst record in 2019. In nine years as a starter, the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton, was 70-61-2. He led the Bengals, as I mentioned earlier, to the postseason from 2011-2015, was a three-time Pro Bowl selection, along with the franchise record 204 touchdowns. He is second in passing yards behind only Kenny Anderson. Uh, he had 31,594, Kenny Anderson 32,838. Cincinnati did not win a playoff game during his tenure. And that's a situation going back uh, with Marvin Lewis. It just year after year, they just got beat time and time again. But Dalton was a great player for them. He gave them everything he had. So now with the Red Rifle jettison out of Cincinnati, you wonder where he's going to go. I hope that Ron Rivera has him on speed dial today and can get him into the nation's capital. I think he would be the guy to bridge a gap for Dwayne Haskins Jr. and for Kyle Allen. Nobody better to learn from than a guy that knows how to win. Now, he doesn't have a great playoff success, but he doesn't have a lot of pieces that have been around him. If you look at Andy Dalton's career, you can say, what did he have really behind him in terms of great players, great talent? How much did he have to rise above and do what he could? But he never had, I felt, a great supporting cast. He had some cast members, but it wasn't a great supporting cast. And so, therefore, uh, they never achieved what they should have. And then, of course, Marvin Lewis is known for a guy that got to the playoffs so many times, just couldn't win when he got there. A nice guy, but once again, uh, just could not win. But Coach Zach Taylor has decided to move forward with, uh, of course, Joe Burrow. And so Andy Dalton will not be back in Cincinnati. So you wonder... Will he go to Washington? Will he be somewhere else? Uh, my thoughts are this. If not Washington, you're looking at New England. I think New England, don't be shocked if, you know, Belichick says, hey, I just lost a veteran in Tom Brady. If you're a coach in Belichick and you say, if I could get a good price on the guy, get him in here, he's smart, check. He's a guy that can protect the ball, check. He can throw for a lot of yards, check. He can learn a system. He knows how to win. Yes, we need to teach him the Patriot way, but he could be a guy that could really come in here and maybe stem the tide, keep things going, and help us get back to the playoffs and maybe make a serious run. If you remember, guys, uh, in the past, Trent Dilfer's of the world, that uh, Brad Johnson's of the world, guys who were good quarterbacks but not spectacular, they won titles. Andy Dalton is in that realm, a guy that can win at that level. 
but you have to have a good supporting cast. Now he goes to New England. If you're Andy Dalton, you could say to yourself, you know, if I go there, I'm going to be around great players, a great coaching staff. I have a chance to win and help them win. That could be really uh, a nice connection there in New England should Andy Dalton make that decision. Now, you got to look at it from Andy Dalton's standpoint. If your agent calls you and says the Redskins would like you to come to D.C. under Ron Rivera, new coach, new regime, new everything, or Bill Belichick would like you to come to New England to play for him and maybe take over the starting job, earn the starting job. If you're Andy Dalton, the answer would quickly be more than likely in New England because you've got Bill Belichick, you've got the history there, you've got a team that knows how to win, and you say maybe I'm the piece that can come in and keep the train moving forward and maybe win for them. So that's why I'm leaning towards if you're Andy Dalton, I see him moving to New England. I see him, you know, he still has time left in his career to do something special, and I think when he looks at that, at his age right now, he's probably saying, who gives me the best opportunity to win a world title? I think New England would give him his best shot. Nothing against D.C. I just think that's more of a rebuild there versus something in New England where he could win right away and possibly lead them to another championship. Could happen, may not happen. It just depends on what the Patriots want to do. If they're happy with Jarrett Stidham and Brian Hoyer, they want to keep what they have, or do they want to go back to the playoffs potentially with a veteran that's proven himself? So we're going to have to find out what's going on there. Uh, we also want to let you know other sports headlines that Clay Matthews, is, uh, the outstanding linebacker, formerly of Green Bay Packers, now with the Los Angeles Rams, previously with the Rams rather, has um, filed a grievance against the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, he's a former uh, Ram. He and Todd Gurley both were released by the team March 19th. They both publicly vented their frustrations over non-payment, and Matthews is doing something about it by submitting his case to the National Football League Player Association, which will officially file the grievance on his behalf. Matthews' two-year deal with the Rams included a $5.5 million in guarantees. He still owed $2 million in roster bonuses. Matthews is a free agent, and because his $2 million offsets based on a deal with a new team, the Rams could be waiting to see where Matthews signs before paying him. Matthews is 33 years of age. He is due his money now. A source involved said the Rams could argue that the language of the contract of Gurley and Matthews allow a short-term deferral of payments for tax purposes. It's unclear if Gurley is planning to file a grievance. The Rams owe Gurley $7.55 million roster bonus, but offset language can reduce that payment to $2.5 million. Gurley agreed, as you know, to a one-year deal, $5.5 million, with the Atlanta Falcons uh, just a few weeks ago. Shortly after the Rams released him, Gurley must pass a physical exam to finalize the deal. And due to the coronavirus, he's been unable able to do so so this is not a good look for the rams uh owing players i mean Les need the general manager told the nfl network there's some language in the contract of when you pay them and when you have to pay them and blah 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 but bottom line is when you have two players of this ilk in uh, uh clay matthews and todd Gurley, uh who he said they're both going to get their money but the key is why do players that have been superstars in the league have to come out and beg the Rams. And I would say, basically, I don't want this look. If I'm an owner of the Rams, I don't want uh, people out there saying, hey, we're not paying these guys. It's not a good look for anybody else that you want to come to your team. And don't think that these players don't talk to one another. So if they go out and call fellow players that are interested in maybe going to the Rams and they call Clay Matthews or Todd Gurley, say, should I go there? They would in turn say, I wouldn't go there because you don't know if you're going to get paid. That's not the look that the Rams want. So they need to get this taken care of because it's on the front page of ESPN. 
and it's a story that definitely is gaining steam. So something the Rams definitely do not need. So uh, situation there. Uh, other news out there, ex-Jaguars uh, linebacker Telvin Smith was charged with unlawful sexual activity with a minor. Former Jacksonville linebacker on Wednesday was charged with one count of unlawful sexual activity per the Duval County Jail's website. Smith, 29, was booked in the jail at 5.20 p.m. Eastern Time. He was later released on a $50,000 bond. There was no court date listed. Smith was arrested by officers from the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office at his home in a gated community. A law enforcement uh, source told ESPN that Smith is accused of having sex with a 17-year-old girl multiple times both at his home and in his vehicle. In August and September, the source said the girl told a friend and the family member what happened after her first encounter with Smith. The source also said investigators found evidence in Smith's car that linked him to the girl. Per Florida Statute 794.05, the charge of unlawful sexual activity with certain minors is a second-degree felony and applies to any person age 24 or older who engages in sexual activity with a person 16 or 17 years old. The Jaguars, with a statement, said they are aware of the report involving former linebacker Tevin Smith. Smith, the uh, team said in a statement, the club is unable to comment further as it is an ongoing investigation. So situation here, not good at all. Uh, Smith hasn't played for the Jaguars since 2018. He announced on social media in May of 2019 that he would not play football again that season, saying he needed to take time off for his family and his health. Uh, So situation there. Uh, very bad news indeed, and if it is proved to be true, um, could be some serious jail time for Telvin Smith and uh, just a very bad story overall there. Uh, other news in terms of college basketball, there has been some movement there. Wake Forest has agreed to a deal with East Tennessee State Steve Forbes to become the next coach of the Demon Deacons next season. Forbes will replace Danny Manning, who was fired this past Saturday after six seasons at the helm. Wake Forest never saw uh, anything over 500 in ACC under Manning. See, here's the thing. Danny Manning, great player, but a horrible coach. Think about this. He was 14-42 and over the past three seasons. That is abysmal. Last season, the Deacons went 13-18 and 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 6-14 ACC, finishing in a tie for last place in the conference. If you cannot uh, recruit in your Danny Manning, you know you have some problems. I mean, he has the name, he has a pedigree, but for whatever reason, uh, it just never clicked in the Wake Forest. Forbes has been one of the most successful mid-major coaches in the country the past several years. He has won 130 games in five seasons at East Tennessee State in two Southern Conference regular season titles. The Bucks went to the NCAA tournament in 2017 and would have gone last season after winning 30 games in the SoCon tournament. Forbes also has power conference experience as an assistant coach at Texas A&M, Tennessee, and Wichita State. Forbes was an assistant coach under Bruce Pearl at Tennessee during Wake Forest athletic director John Curry's time in Knoxville. So therein lies the connection there. So congratulations go out. Steve Forbes, the new head man at Wake Forest University. We're going to take a timeout, come back and close it out. You're listening to Sports King on Sports 1061. Don't touch that dial. Hi, sports fans. This is former Washington Redskins quarterback and Super Bowl 26 MVP, Mark Griffin. You are listening to my favorite sports show, The Sports King, hosted by my great friend, Jamie King, on Sports 106.1. With 19 NCAA Division I sports and 84 majors, Coastal Carolina University affords student-athletes the competition and learning they crave. From FBS football to ladies' volleyball, from championship baseball to ladies' lacrosse, 
From business to theater arts, Coastal Carolina University offers a depth of learning both on the field and in the classroom. Eager ambition is a hallmark of students and faculty at Coastal Carolina University. Schedule a tour and learn more at coastal.edu. Hi, it's the Sports King, Jamie King, and I'm here to offer you truly life-changing advice. If you or someone you know suffers from foot pain, don't delay. Take immediate action and visit the podiatry centers of Dr. Paul Ross with two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. I know firsthand he changed my life and totally restored my foot. He will do the same for you. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. You're listening to the guy that was once addicted to brake fluid. But please don't worry, he says he can stop at any time. It's the Sports King on Sports 1061. And welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the Sports King Show, Sports 1061. Just a programming note. Big Al, sports phone, 8 to 10 every morning live. The Richmond legend, don't want to miss Big Al. I follow Big Al from 10 to noon every day, Monday through Friday, and then it's off to Los Angeles immediately following my show. We join Jim Rome, the legend from Los Angeles in the jungle right after the Sports King show right here on Sports 106.1. Has some other headlines to get to. And by the way, we want to thank our hour one guest, uh, recruiting expert Tom Lemming, who was in the movie The Blind Side. Loved catching up with Tom. Tom, basically every high school player you've ever seen or heard of, the great ones, he has interviewed them all. And then our two, George Gregory from the Los Angeles Chargers joined us. We thank him for getting up early out there in Los Angeles and coming on, talking about the NFL, how they're dealing now with the coronavirus and how he's uh, doing some great things. He has a website, of course, uh, journeyforlifenow.org, if you want to learn more about George and what he does uh, every single day to help others. I want to get to some more headlines now. If you want to give us a call, give us a call, 804-327-0888. 804-327-0888 is the number. Final minutes on the Sports King Show. We want to send our best wishes to Bobby Bowden, who has uh, recently uh, trying to get out of the house. Of course, he spent four days at a Tallahassee Memorial Healthcare last week because of an infection that caused his left calf to swell. Bowden's left leg was placed in a soft cast, which is scheduled to be removed this week. The 90-year-old Bowden hasn't lost a sense of humor despite recent health challenges, include a bothersome left hip and back. He said, I didn't realize when I got to be 90, it would be this tough, he said. Getting old ain't easy. And uh, so we wish Coach the very best. And uh, somebody told me one time, the first 100 are the hardest. After that, it's all downhill. Anyway, Bobby Bowden, 90 years young. And, boy, he still looks good, and what a great man he was and meant so much to Florida State and their great run they had there uh, during his tenure. He was just an amazing coach and did a lot of great things. Um, looking around, Jason, uh, Jameis Winston, a guy that we've talked about, uh, of course, uh, Ben, our outstanding producer, says good Jameis, bad Jameis. We always talk about that. He just underwent LASIK surgery uh, in February and says he can now read license plates. He can read street signs. Uh, he thinks that the precision in his vision is the biggest difference now. The 2015 number one overall draft pick spoke uh, about his uh, moving on. And, of course, uh, the situation now with New Orleans. Uh, he says now that thing is, things are much clearer for him. I'm wondering 
this might be just a bit outside, Ben. I'm wondering if uh, the reason he couldn't see the jersey difference when in Tampa was because he couldn't see what he was doing there either. 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. Just, uh, just a bit outside. Exactly. I just feel that, uh, you know, wait a minute. You now are going to another team and you get LASIK and now all of a sudden you're going to see, but you didn't see when you were playing for me. I got you. Okay. So you threw 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. How much was that because you couldn't make out the numbers? I don't know. Just food for thought. Anyway, so he's working on that. So Jameis Winston uh, is taking his act to New Orleans, and hopefully he'll learn from Drew Brees. So that's going to be interesting to follow there and see what's happening. Top stories of the day, the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton, on the way out of Cincinnati. Will he go to Los An- uh, Will he go to the Washington Redskins? Will he go to the New England Patriots? Will he go out to L.A.? Will he go somewhere else? We don't know, but we do know that he will be in demand because of his ability. So that's going to be interesting to see where the Red Rifle will be landing next. Other news they're talking about in 2023 divisions of baseball three 10 team divisions. And they say Rob Manford and company that there will be no asterisk for the world series champion uh, this year. Even if uh, things unfold differently than what we're used to, uh, there will be no asterisk. The Los Angeles Dodgers manager, Dave Roberts told USA today sports. When you look at all the hurdles, keeping your team together emotionally and what your players have to do differently to prepare for the season, you can argue that it would mean more uh, than any other season. So in other words, he wants it to count the same as it would during a regular season. So uh, the Houston Asterisk, who I call them, of course, Dusty Baker um, has his work cut out for him because everywhere that the Asterisk, this might be for the Asterisk uh, having this delay in the season, those guys were really facing an onslaught from so many people in the stands and the fans yelling at them and really getting on them. So um, an unbelievable season was waiting for the Astros, and because of the pandemic, they haven't faced it, but they're still going to face quite a lot of uh, fans that aren't happy with what they did. So it's going to be interesting to follow uh, what happens on the side of the Houston Astros, as I call them, because I just think they're uh, it's an absolute joke what has happened. Of course, Pete Rose, we've gone on record saying, Uh, He can't get back in the league, but you can cheat the game and you get a one-year suspension. So I just don't think the penalties and the crimes there just need to be looked at uh, totally different, but it is what it is. So those are some of the stories we've been uh, talking about. Uh, We do know that the Baseball Hall of Fame ceremony scheduled uh, for this year, it looks like, is going to be postponed until the summer of 2021. Induction weekend is a celebration of our national pastime, its greatest legends. And um, they are disappointed to cancel the incredibly special event. The board of directors said uh, they were going to uh, welcome, of course, Derek Jeter. This was his year to come in. And uh, I know he's very excited about that. And now, of course, due to the coronavirus, uh, Larry Walker and Derek Jeter, the class of 2020, will not be uh, in there. Uh, Ted Simmons and Marvin Miller as well will uh, have to wait a year to July of 2021 to get into the Hall of And it uh, is just uh, another casualty. Here you get uh, uh, invited to a club that you waited your whole life to get into, and then for whatever reason you didn't see something coming, a uh, pandemic, 
and now you have to wait an additional year just to receive the accolades you waited a lifetime for. It's just a very uh, sad uh, aspect, another loss uh, that you uh, don't think a lot of, but those guys waited their whole careers, and now they have to wait another year. So we're hearing all kinds of things. We're hearing that uh, NASCAR may return here on May 17th, just a couple weeks away in a uh, situation without fans, but baseball also, the three different divisions, uh, we're talking about that as a possibility. Football, we're hoping and praying that they'll start on time, not sure yet. But we do know people working every day. They're getting closer to a vaccine. They're trying to get something together to where we can return to life as we knew it in some form. And right now, as you go out and go to the stores and different places, you see all the different precautionary aspects. And everybody's trying to do their best part to, to make sure we don't spread anything on the COVID-19 front. But I want to thank you guys after listening and folks watching on Facebook. You guys have been incredible doing it day after day, staying in, uh, washing your hands, social distancing, doing everything you have to do to make sure that uh, we can move forward. Uh, the great message from George Gregory was don't be selfish, be selfless. And today, if you can help somebody out there, please do it. Uh, call the Red Cross blood banks. If you can afford to do it and get over to do it. Um, Please donate blood. We're in short supply. Also, food. If you have a neighbor in need, please uh, be a pillar of strength. Go out there. Be a hero. Donate some food. Donate some paper products. Do whatever you can, but be a friend. Call somebody. Tell them you love them. Tell them you're thinking of them. It'll cheer them up, and you'll feel better for it, too. Ben Maitland's done a great job. We thank him, and I thank all of you uh, for joining us on today's edition of the Sports King. Have a great rest of your Thursday. Happy birthday, Denise King, and we'll see you tomorrow for the Friday edition of the Sports King right here on Sports 106.1. Have a great day. We'll